Amen. Can you hear me? All right, you can hear me good. Amen. Enjoyed hearing y'all singing. I come in the back a little early back there, so I really enjoyed y'all singing this morning. Um, I'll just go ahead and jump right in. Most of y'all know me, so if you don't know me, you'll hopefully know me by the end of the service. But, amen. Just glad Brother Earl just invited us up again. Really been praying for him. Hopefully he'll get get doing better. I know I believe he had back surgery and a few other things there. So just been praying for him and God will just uh, just bring him through this. Amen. And get him back to y'all as soon as he can so he can get get all us young whippersnappers out of the way that still really learning what we're doing. Amen. So, amen. Uh, if you would with if you would turn with me to Philippians um, chapter one and verse six, we'll begin reading there. I'd like to preach this morning. Uh, if I could title it something, the thought line would be our confidence in Him. And um, I, was, I was talking to one of the brothers in the back, and he was talking about a lot of the stuff I was going to be dealing with. But you see in this day how you don't really know who to have confidence in. You know, this doctor says this, this doctor says this, this politician says that, this politician says that, this minister says that, this minister says that. But I think there's one thing we should always go back to, and that's the Word, right? Amen. So, um Philippians 1 and 6, we'll read this one scripture, then we'll, we'll pray before we, before we get into the service. Um, being confidence, uh, confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I think that's something we can be thankful for as Christians. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the thing I like about that scripture is it's not something that we did, but it's the work that he begun in us. And he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, and maybe if you have a need this morning, why don't you make it known by the uplifting hand as we go to as we go to the Lord in prayer, dear Lord, we just come before you this morning, Lord. I know that there, there's no way I could speak to this many people and and be able to touch each and every one of them, Lord. But we know that you can, Lord. For the hands that were raised, for the needs that uh, that they have this morning, that's on their hearts. So we pray that while the word goes forth, Lord, that. Lord, you're just, your, uh, your discernment would go with it, Lord, and you would speak to each and every individual this morning. Lord, that, that you would just come and, and just move me aside completely, and that you would just speak to your children. Pray for those that aren't able to make it this morning, Lord, those that are sick or those that are home or are recovering. God, we pray you just send a special touch their way this morning as well. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated if, you, if you'd like. Amen. You know, I found out last time I was here um, that Brother Earl was a was a Harley, a Harley rider. Is that right? Seeing a couple people, yeah. So, I have a. Fortunately, if any of the young people would like it, I've written a book on what not to do as a young person, and and so when I was about seventeen or eighteen, I wanted a motorcycle. My parents said, you know, you can't live here and have a motorcycle. So, it's like, all right, I can live in my car. You know, so I moved out and. Spent one night in my car, got a rent house, and then got a motorcycle the next the next day. And you know that salesman was was hard up because I had never ridden a motorcycle. So I believe it was a it was a Yamaha 500 or a Kawasaki Vulcan 500, and it was one up and four down. I think was the gear the gear thing on it. And I got it out of the parking lot in first gear and rode down Highway 62 412 in first gear, going about 12 miles an hour for about five or six miles till I finally found a parking lot and learned how to ride. And and so then after that, you know, that's kind of the way it seems like we start out with, with Christianity. We're really gung-ho. We think we know everything and can do everything, and we jump on and we just want to go. And then it seems like the first time Satan hits us, we kind of fall off the bike a little bit there. But one thing that I've always found out is if I get back on, God will keep me going the right way. Amen. So what I'd like to speak to you this morning on is our confidence in Him and and so, uh, many of you know that if you don't have confidence in something, it's not going to do you any good. Is that right? If you have a car that you don't have any confidence in, and you go out there, and you don't know if it's going to crank, you don't know if it's going to, nine times out of ten, it's probably not going to crank. Is that right? Yeah. So, if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, if you don't have confidence in your relationship, it's going to be doomed for a bad relationship. If you don't have confidence in your pastor, that's going to be doomed for a bad church relationship. If you don't have confidence in your fellow laborers in the church, that's going to end up in a bad situation. Is that right? So we see that, that confidence is, is, is very important in what we're doing. And Brother Branham says in the Revelation of Jesus Christ, he says, have you ever noticed how Satan hates two books in the Bible more than all others? He said, he said through the liberal theologians and the pseudoscientists, he was always attacking the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. 
He said, in both these books, we find Satan's origin, his awful ways, and his destruction. And that's why he attacks them. He hates to be exposed. In those books, he is exposed for exactly what he is. And Jesus said about Satan, he has no part in me, and I have no part in him. The devil would like to prove that different, but he cannot. So he does all he can to do to destroy the confidence in the word. But when the church disbelieves Satan and believes the spirit of revelation of the word, the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. So we see that whenever we disbelieve Satan and we believe in the word of God fully, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Is that right? Now, you know, we see here in Hebrews 10 35, it says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now, how many of you have ever been promised something and it hasn't been fulfilled? Yeah, I have, you know, many times. And um, I feel as a father, sometimes I really got to lower my pro promises because, you know, after work, I don't really feel like doing what I said before I, I went to work, you know, and so my little kids are like, yeah, we're going to do this after we're, we're going to go to the river after work and we're going to do this and do that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And then I have a hard day at work and get off. And I'm like, please, guys, let's just let's just sit around the house. Let's just, you know, do what we got to do here. And my wife back there is smiling because she knows it's true. And, and so we see many of us have been promised things and they don't fulfill the promise. Well, what does that do? It, it helps us. To, it makes us lose trust in that person. Is that right? And so thankfully with with my children, obviously, they, they haven't lost complete trust in me yet. Or they haven't let me know if they have. But we see that if I begin to say, you know, if I begin to tell Brother Earl that I would be here and then I don't show up, he's going to eventually lose faith in me, right? He may give me one time and let it slide and say, you know, maybe he just forgot and then maybe he would invite me back again. If I didn't show up that time, it's pretty much a done deal, you know. I'm, I'm not having this guy back because he's, you know, he, he broke his promise twice, you know. And, and so we see that, that whenever we come into um, maybe a relationship with someone and and, and sometimes you see people in relationships and you're like, man, why is that person with that person? And, and, you know, after all this person's done, why are they still with this person? Or why are they with this? Why are they with that? And, and you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a personal problem for somebody to have, right? To, to be in a relationship with no trust. Is that right? Now, with Christ, how many times have we maybe asked the Lord for something? Or maybe we didn't get exactly what we wanted, but God gave us exactly what we needed. Is that right? And so we see that it's a little bit different with the relationship with Christ because sometimes, or most of the time, He knows what we need more than we know what we need. Is that right? Maybe we, you know, I've heard it, you know, many times said, you know, in life we are given the problem, you know, we're given, uh, we, we, we study the lesson, you know, we go to school, we train for the test. But with God, God gives us the test to train for life. Is that right? So He gives us the test. Once we go through the test, then we can move on to the next to the next topic. But now, Brother Branham says, and he swore by himself, he says, He brought me into a fellowship through the riven side of his son, Jesus Christ, and made me a part of him to believe all things, to believe him, to trust him, to stand there. He said, Glories never fail. He said, All things working together for the good for them that love him, so glories never fail. He says, My hope is built there on nothing less. He said, I come through the blood that saved me. I come through the blood that healed me, and anything that I have need of while I'm in here, I call for those attributes there from Calvary in their mind, their mind freely. If the Father can't give them to me, he'll let me know why. So my faith still looks right at him saying, Lord, I believe that you know what's best for me, so I commit myself to you. Here I am. He says, oh, there it is. My confidence is in him and in him, the God of heaven. So we see that whenever we come to the Father and we ask anything in His name, as the Scripture says, ask anything in my Father's name and it shall be given to you, we have to understand that not everything that we ask for is exactly what we need. Is that right? You know, um, I've heard it said, you know, many times, a lot of people, you know, I'm a big believer that if you're going to ask, ask for big things. Don't ask for small things. If you're going to ask, you might as well ask for big things. Is that right? You know, if, uh, and, and I've, I've taught my kids that very well and my family that very well. So when we ask for things, we ask for big things because we want God to do big things. It's nothing that's wrong with the small things, but if I'm going to ask God for healing, I want healing all the way through. I don't want to have backache when I'm done. I don't want to just get rid of the headache or rid of this. I want everything to be healed. Is that right? And so we see that when we have confidence in somebody and we ask them for something and we know that it's going to be met, you know, confidence is something that's built up over time. Is that right? In a relationship, confidence is built up over time. You know, when you first fall in love, you, you just, anything they do is just perfect, and anything you do is perfect. Well, then, you know, the honeymoon phase, 
<coughs> eventually ends and everything you start to do, it really wasn't as perfect as it seemed in the beginning, right? You know, my wife used to laugh at all of my jokes. Now it's like one out of five I can get her to laugh at. But, you know, I still think they're all funny, but she's just one out of five is probably what I'm getting. So, and so you see that time changes. She doesn't love me any less. It's just she's probably heard them, you know, a hundred times and, and coming on down. But she trusts me more the longer that we're in the relationship because we've been together now, I think a little over 10 years, or married a little over 10 years. And, and so that confidence builds. You know, when I, when I leave for work, I know that she's going to be taking care of the kids and her and, and doing all these things. And when she goes to work, I know that she's going to be, you know, faithful and, 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 and trustworthy. And so, you know, our, our confidence is built over time. And, and that's the way it is with, with Christianity. When you fall in love with God, and, and I, would, I would have to say that none, none of y'all are here because somebody forced you to be this morning. If, if you are, then that's fine. Hopefully you'll still hear something that'll be beneficial to you. Um, you know, as many times I grew up on a message pew, I was, you know, I was, there was no doubt we were going to church. You know, even I have a good feeling back then if COVID had been there, we would have still went to church. And, um, you know, times were different back then. And so we see that you, you come here because you're seeking something. Is that right? Now, maybe somebody's like, hey, you should, you should come to church with me this morning. You should just, you know, just come and see what, you know, see what we believe in, see what we do. And, and maybe you just did just by happenstance. But, but I promise you, if you put your faith in Christ, you will not be disappointed. Amen. And do you believe that? You know, you look at people who have been through trials and tribulations. And, and, you know, many people say, well, why would people want to believe in God and still go through trials and tribulations? And, you know, something I always point back is people who don't believe in God still go through trials and tribulations. But we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Is that right? We have a father. We have an intercessor that we can go to. Amen. And whenever we have a need, we can go to him and ask and plead, uh, plead for, for forgiveness, plead for healing, whatever we have need of, and he will give it to his children. Is that right? So, you know, my, my thing with when people come to me and, you know, they don't believe in God, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. If you don't believe in God, me, I'm probably not going to talk you into it. You say, well, well, what does that do for witnessing? Now, I will tell people about God. I will witness. I will talk to people till I'm blue in the face about God. But it's not up to me to make them believe it. They have to believe it. Is that right? They have to be the ones who says, you know what? This is, this is what I believe in. This is what my heart has been searching for. I've been wondering what, what my heart's been searching for. And you find it when you find Christ. Amen. So we see that the definition, the word confidence, it means a trusting, uh, a reliance, an assurance of mind. A firm belief in the integrity of, some, uh, f of someone else. Confident, it means trusting. And it means trusting without suspicion. Now, that's a really, a, a really difficult thing. You know, there's some people who trust you, but they're still a little suspicious of you. You know, many times at work, you know, I tell people, well, I can get this done for you, but I can tell they really don't believe me until it's done. You know, they're like, well, you know, can you really get it done? Do you really have the authority to get it done? And and so it also means having an excess, this word confident, having an excess of assurance. Now, now, in Hebrews 3 and verse 14, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Now, many times as believers, it seems like we've, many of us, if you look down through time, you would, you would go back and look at your life and your testimony, and you'd be like, well, I kind of feel like I gave up here, but, but you were steadfast unto the end you come back in, that confidence is still in Christ. Is that right? Now, Brother Branham says in Laodicean Church, he says, O elect of God, beware. He says, study closely. Be careful to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Rely upon God and be strong in his might. Your adversary, the devil, is even now going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he says, watch into prayer and be steadfast. He said, this is the end time. Both the true and false vine are coming to maturity. And he said, but the wheat matures and those ripened tares must be bound for burning him. He says, see, they're all joining the World Council of Churches that is binding, and soon the be garnering for the wheat will come. He said, but right now, two spirits are at work in two vines, and it comes from among the tares, and it starts to overcome that you uh, may be considered praiseworthy for your Lord and fit to reign and rule with Him. Now, so we see here that, that Brother Branham is speaking of, of, of two, two seed gene lines here. He's speaking of the wheat and the tares. And he's speaking of the tares being gathered together because if you look at the scripture and you look at that parable, the tares are gathered together before the wheat is harvested. Is that right? And they're gathered together to be burned. So we see that if you look in this day, never before has there been such a separation. You know, there's a separation. You know, now it, it used to be that political parties could get along. You know, if you were a Democrat or you were a Republican, you could at least get along with each other. Or if you were, 
you know, now there's, you know, if you're a vaccinator or an anti-vaxxer and and now if you're a, 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 a mask wearer or not a mask wearer, and, and I'm not here to deal, deal with any of the political situations or push any of my agenda, I just like to look at what we're currently going through and just kind of show, show through that. So, but we see that all these things are going on, and it seems there's a separation now, that you, you have family members who can't even, can't even, come, to, you know, can't even come together and, and be around family because they so disagree on everything else. Is that right? Now, I'm one to believe... I'm not here to tell you what to believe or what to do, but if you believe something, believe it with all your heart. <laughs> you know, if you're going to not believe in God, then don't, don't, don't say, well, well, maybe this time it'll work, because God doesn't work that way. God's not a, a person that you can just knock on his door occasionally when you get sick, and then you can go and be healed, and then you can just leave him again. That's not the relationship that God is looking for. Now, he has done that before. There's been people who have called on the name of the Lord, been healed. You look at the prayer lines, people coming through the prayer lines with Brother Branham, they were healed and never went to church again. But they got to taste that because they had faith, I believe is what Brother Branham says, they had faith. Now, we look as, as believers in this day, we've got to be confident in the Word of God. And we see that people try to pick, pick apart the Bible and, and pick, maybe even pick apart Jesus and and, you know, we know historically that Jesus was here. There, he's a historical figure, and, and so we know that the things that he done were written, they were, they were true, and so we've got to have faith in the Word of God to believe that what we say we believe in, we believe in. And no matter if somebody can come in and say, well, well, what do you do about this? What do you do about this? And they try to make everything contradict itself, but we know that the Word of God is true. Is that right? You know, many times I look back in my life and the things that I've been through and some of you know my testimony. I got out really bad in the world, drinking and doing drugs and doing all these things. And, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a psychiatrist that got me back that was living right. It was Jesus Christ. Amen. And, you know, that was the one thing I can go back and I can actually say that he was real because I met him one night at an altar and my life changed from that moment on. Now, it doesn't mean I haven't been through trials and tribulations and hard times and, and things like that, but I have been able to stay true to the Word of God because he is holding me. Now, Revelation 3 and 21 says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. And then I'm going to skip to John 16 and 33. These things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, that's one thing that I, I want to stop and deal with just for a moment. These things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace. So I've, you know, it seems like growing up in the message, I'm just going to deal with some things this morning that are on my heart, and, and I hope it blesses you in some way, but it's not going to be a typical Alan fun, fun, you know, I, I like to, I like to be happy. I like to preach the Word of God with, 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 with happiness, and I like to, I like, I like Christians to be happy. I think we should be the happiest people in the world, and, but it seems like, you know, sometimes you, uh, Growing up in the message, I almost thought it was, a, it was a rule that you had to be angry all the time to be in the message. <clears throat> I thought you just had to fight all the time and argue. I mean, that's just the way it was, you know. And so, um, and I'm just going to just share a little bit of my testimony. Well, one thing I dealt with growing up uh, really bad in the message was, uh, was bitterness. And, um, you know, I had got to the point where I was, you know, I told my mom, uh, we were having a really serious conversation and and, you know, I was like, Mom, I was like, if this is what the message produces and this is, this is what the Holy Ghost produces, I don't want it, you know. And that's a terrible situation to be in, right? And, and I was raised very good, raised around the message, raised around the world, but, you know, I was a pastor's kid, so I seen everything that went on in church. I seen everything that went on in the message, and it just it really got to me. I was like, man, if this is, if this is what it produces, I don't want to be a part of it, you know. And so... You know, for young people, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'm dealing more with the youth this morning, but, you know, young people, um, you look around, you see the church splits, you know, you know as, as a young person growing up, I've been through a few of those, and some of y'all have been through church splits, you've been through hard times where families that loved one another left, and then you got friends who were friends for years, and they left, and I don't know why I'm dealing with this, but this is what it's on my heart, so I hope it'll bless you this morning. But you look and, you know, maybe, maybe someone here today is, is questioning, you know, they've, they've grown up in the message as well, and they've just seen heartache after heartache. And, and what I finally realized is I was looking at the wrong thing. I was looking at the people. And where should our focus be as Christians? It should be on Christ. Is that right? Because no matter if Sam believes it, it shouldn't change if I believe it or not. Because if I'm just here because Sam believes it, then my absolute is in Sam. Is that right? And then when Sam falls away, then all the message falls apart. All the Word of God falls apart. 
So whenever you're looking at the wrong thing, that's when everything can seemingly begin to go bad and begin to fall apart. And so as Christians, our confidence, I had to realize that my confidence wasn't in the right place, which was Jesus Christ. And, and you know, and, and, and being, a, being a pastor's kid at, during those times, it was just, it was just seemed like, well, this one would fight, and this one would fight, and, and this one would fight. And, you know, I'd go to people's houses, and they'd be talking about this, and it was just, just an all-time thing. And I was just so sick of it. I was ready to be done and tried to, tried to leave, but, but, but fortunately God held on. Is that right? So we see that, you know, through that I had developed this bitterness. And I read a quote one time on bitterness, and it really changed it for me. But bitterness is like you being mad at someone, and then you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that's bitterness in a nutshell, right? It's like you did wrong, so I'm going to self-implode and hate you, and ruin my life because of what you did, right? And some of you people maybe are dealing with bitterness this morning. I think it's something we all go through. I think as message people, it's one of the hardest things we could face is bitterness because that's the, that's the easiest thing the devil can get into the church is bitterness because he can, he can make this brother mad at this brother, right, and then leave, and he don't have to do anything else, and then they are taking care of the rest, Right? And so, you know, through this, and I'm just going to kind of give you my little testimony, you know, I went to the altar at a, at a camp, and, and, and I just let it go, you know, I was, I was done, I was like, I don't want to hate anybody anymore, and I got to that point where, I mean, I was mad, <laughs> just all the time, just mad, for no reason, at, ch- at church people, if you would have come up to me at Walmart and said, I believe the message, I was mad at you, you know, right? And I know everybody's laughing, but I believe everybody's probably went through this to where you just get so fed up with people. You're like, why am I even here? And so, you know, then I was at a, at a church service one time and Brother Danny Seaman was preaching. And, I, you know, I'm a firm believer that if the word of God is true, then I got to follow it. Right. And he said something. He said, if you've got ought against somebody in the church, you need to go apologize. And I was like, oh, no. How do I tell everyone at once, you know? <clears throat> but I did, I, and, and this was actually, so I did get up, and um, uh, one time as a young man, somebody had spread a rumor about me in church, and, and, uh, and I hope this is okay with y'all. But um, somebody had spread a rumor about me in church while I got up at the end of service and corrected the rumor and said, no, I did do wrong, but this is what I did, not this. And, you know, you can imagine my parents having to watch this and their fear and terror on their face as I go for the microphone. And, and so then the brother um, gets up and he preaches and he, he's just dealing with just everything that I'm going through. And so, you know, I, I, I get up and at the end of the service and there was a man who had done something that just really, really bothered me. And, um, you know, and it, it was to the point where it was just, it was ruining my life and it happened years ago and, you know, he wasn't suffering for it, and, you know, it was all on me, and, you know, I was like, man, I just got to get rid of this anger, and I used to have a, a pretty good temper, and and um, I'm pretty calm now. My wife says I get a little cranky, but but I used to have a real bad temper, and, and, and God delivered me of that, but, but at the end of service, you know, he's like, if you have ought against anybody, you know, go, and you need to make it right, and so as soon as the service was over, you know, he was sitting just a few rows behind me, and I got up. I was like, listen, I'm sorry, but I've hated you for a long time. I honestly don't even remember why now, but I'm sorry, and I love you, all right? And my life dramatically changed from that moment on, amen. And so, amen, and so you see that whenever, you know, and it was, the, the craziest thing was it wasn't bothering him at all. He didn't even know it, right? And there's sometimes we can just rub people the wrong way. I got done preaching one time, and, you know, I thought it went pretty good. I know I'm not the best. I'm aware of it, you know. And this couple come up to me after service and just told me everything I did wrong. I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm terrible. Thank you. God bless you, you know. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, what do you say? I don't want to argue with you, you know. I done gave up bitterness. I'm not bringing it back up. <laughs> I was like, I appreciate your your notes, and I'll try to do better, you know. Please don't come hear me again. And so, <clears throat> and so you look at this, you look at with bitterness, and when I did that, it seemed like God was able to work in my life again because I let that go. 
And that's what I'm trying to get to this morning. And my confidence in Christ completely changed because I quit looking at everybody else's faults and everybody else's failures. And I began to look at Christ, which is the true one that we should be looking at. Is that right? And so when I begin to look at him, I actually begin to see what Christianity was about. That it was about love and it was about the gospel and it was about salvation. And it was about forgiveness and a repentance. And, and I begin to see all these things and and you know, it really, it really did it change my life from that point on. And, and when I let that bitterness go, God was able to really begin to work in my life and my faith began to increase that when I prayed, God would answer those prayers. And, and it's not that I'm some, some man of faith, but when I seen what God could do, it just added more faith to it. And I knew that if I asked God this, then he would meet this need. And, and so God really began to change, uh, change my life and, and work things around differently. And, and so uh, I don't know why this was put on my heart this morning to go this way, because it's, it's not in my notes, but I just kept going over it and over it and over it again. But I do want to tell you something this morning. If you, if you, if you struggle with bitterness, and you know, uh, my pastor actually preached on it a few, uh, probably a month or two ago, and, and it was just a wonderful service. But if you struggle with bitterness, you should let it go. It, it is going to destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your home life, your church life. It will destroy everything around you if you do not let it go. And I can promise you one thing. When you let it go, when that, when that bitterness is finally, truly gone, I don't care if it was somebody that, that maybe sexually assaulted you or did this, do not let them control your life the rest of your life. Do not let that affect you how you raise your children. You be a good Christian, a good soldier for Christ. Amen. And God will work miracles in your life. But you've got to let that bitterness go before He can do anything else. Is that right? So we see that as Christians, our confidence in Him is boosted whenever we get rid of the other things in our life that are dragging us down. Now, Jesus, then Jesus came and called, and <coughs> Brother Branham speaking here, he says, there was a man one time named Job. He said one of his oldest prophets in the Bible, and he was a great man, and he had loved the Lord, and he had done all he'd known to do. And Satan desired to sift him. And so, so he said to God one day, yeah, God said to him, rather, he said, where have you been, Satan? He said, oh, just walking to and fro up and down the earth. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, there's none like him in the earth, and he's a perfect man. And he said, oh, he said, sure, you give him everything, and you, and you do everything for him. Certainly, he's a great man. And you know, it's easy to be great when everything's going good, right? It's easy to be happy when there's no problems. Is that right? But I believe the true reflection of a Christian, the true reflection of a man or a woman is whenever the trials and tribulations are on us, when the hard times are pressing against us, how we act then is really what's truly on the inside. And he's a great man. He says, but let him have, he said, let me have one time. He said, I'll change the tune. I'll make him curse you to your face. He said, you can't do it. He said, that's confidence in a believer. He said, why? He said, he's infinite. He is eternal and he knows the end from the beginning. He knows Satan couldn't do it for he's in the word. He said, he knowed what Job would do. So I love how Brother Branham says that he's got confidence in the believer. And I want God to have confidence in me. And I'm in no way asking to be put through what Job went through. Amen. I, I believe God showed him as an example. I will follow his example. I believe if God put me through that, I would follow him because I believe in him. But I don't, it's not that I want to go through that. And, and so you see that when God has confidence in a son and a son has confidence in God, it's pretty much an indestructible force. Is that right? I heard a quote one time. It says, Nobody, no matter who's rejected you or neglected you, if God has chosen you, that's all that matters. Amen. So it doesn't matter if, you know, people come and say, well, well, you're not good enough to be a part of this church or a part of this message. And, and that was another thing that really bothered me growing up in the message. It was almost like we were picking and choosing who we wanted in. And man, it just, it aggravated me so much. And, and you know, it would seem like message people were the most judgiest people on the planet. And I'm going to deal with it because I'm here. I'm already knee deep in it. So I'm just going to keep going. But if you judge people that come to church and they don't dress like you, act like you, or talk like you, how do you expect them to get in the message? How do you expect them to get saved if you won't even let them come in? That to me is the dumbest theological idea of people in my life. It's like, we want you to be like us, but you can't be like us until you're like us. What? We want you to change before you get here, and you should know what we want you to change into before we tell you what to change into doesn't make any sense. If you're that type of person, you need to be at the altar. If you're the type of person that is sowing discord and, and, and talking bad about people, you need to be at the altar. 
I have no time for gossip. You can ask my wife. If somebody calls me wanting to tell me about somebody, I will hang up. I will fake that I lost service not to hear it. You know, I, and I'm, I'm bad. I like good juicy gossip. I do. But I don't, if it deals with message people in church, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want that on my hands at the day of judgment. You know, and I've heard another one. Somebody said, well, I can tell it if it's true. No, you can't. <laughs> it's not gossip if it's true. Yes, it is. I've never understood that one. You know, it's in the South, we say, well, bless their heart, and we can say anything we want to say. That's not how it works. So whoever that was for, you know, and that's the thing is, message people, we ought to be on a team. As the bride of Jesus Christ, we ought to try to help one another, right? I think it's time we quit cutting this one's throat and stabbing this one in the back and just be like, you know what, I, I want everyone to make it. I've come to the conclusion, I don't care what, what race you are, what, what, what anything you are, I want you to make it, right? I, I want everybody to be there that can be there, and I believe that's the way Christians should be. Amen. But we've got to get to the point, and you know, it looks many times, and, and you know, who's going to do the change? Well, we've got to be the change. It doesn't matter if you're old, young. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. We've got to be the change. Is that right? So if we want to see more people fall in love with Christ, what do we got to do? Fall more in love with Christ. Is that right? Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. So hopefully I can get out of the, that stuff and get back to preaching our confidence in, in Him. Amen. You know, that's the, that's the good thing about me. I don't, you know, I can still eat if I don't get invited back. So, you know, I have another job, so I can say a few things maybe that, that maybe we don't want to talk about, but I believe we've got to sometimes deal with those situations. If we really want a church on fire for God, then we've got to get rid of all the bad stuff, right? And, and you know, I know y'all are a, a well-taught church. You know, I, I know your pastor. I've heard him preach, and, and, you know, I know you know the message. I know you know the Scripture. So maybe sometimes these little things are what, you know, it's the little fox that spools the vine. Is that right? And, and I really, I've always had a heart for the young people and, and, and knowing what I went through and what I saw. If I, could, if I could tell somebody that if you just focus on Christ and it'll make their life a lot better, then that's what I want to do. And, and so, <clears throat> so do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. And I, I really do appreciate y'all's attentiveness. I can, I can feel y'all paying attention, and, and that, that really helps as we minister through this. So, Hebrews 6 and 13, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And I love this. If you looked at it, I've preached on it several times, the unconditional covenant. And, and so what God did here was he coming down and made a covenant with Abraham, but he didn't swear it on Abraham's ability. He swore it on his ability. So he said, I'm going to make you a promise, Abraham, but you don't have to do anything. He said, I'm going to take care of everything. Is that right? Now, and he goes on down, he says, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiply and I will multiply thee. And, and so after that, he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater an oath of confirmation is to them an end of all strife. He says, wherein God willing more abundantly to show Unto the heirs of promise, the immunability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. So pretty much that scripture, he's saying God was more willing to show it to the heirs of promise than the heirs of promise were. He says that by two immutable things, than which it was impossible for God to lie, so God cannot lie, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. And it says, which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth in within the veil. Now, Brother Bram says in the Laodicean church age, he says, now, he says, what are we to overcome? He said, that's the normal question to ask here. He said, but it's not the actual thought of this verse, or is it the thought so much of what we are to overcome, but how are we to overcome? So he's saying, it's not really, we shouldn't be worried on what we're going to overcome. We should be worried and focused on how we're going to overcome right? And so he says, he says, now this is logical for does it matter? He said, for it does not matter much what we are to overcome as long as we know how we can overcome. And I think that's amazing that, that you and I as Christians can, can come to a point to where we believe in God so much, where we trust him so much that we don't worry about what's next. We know that he already overcome for us before and we know that through Christ all things are possible. Is that right? Now, Revelations 12 and 11, it tells us here in the Scripture how to overcome. It says, And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives to death. 
So we see that if we're going to overcome, it's by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Now, Brother Branham also says, and I don't have the exact quote here, but he says, never have a negative testimony. Is that right? Now, that's hard to do. You know, me and, uh, me and my wife, we, we got COVID a few weeks back, and that's why I wasn't here, and we've been in quarantine, and God brought us through it, and, and I don't get sick very often. And so when I do, I get mad at my immune system. I'm like, what, you know, what's going on here, guys? I've been, I've been doing good. I've really cut my caffeine and sugar down. You know, what's wrong? And so we can get discouraged by just little things. You know, I was like, I don't know how I got it. Don't know, you know, what we didn't get it the first time. We were exposed all these different times. And, and you know, and, and you just kind of, you kind of get kind of downhearted a little bit. And, and then you have to kind of focus back in and say, you know, you know, one thing, we were very healthy through the whole thing. We didn't have respiratory issues. We didn't go to the hospital. We didn't die. I mean, we were, we were fortunate. We had headaches and body aches, and that was about it. And, and so we see that, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And, and I, began, I began realizing that as I was texting people, they were saying, how are you feeling? I was like, horrible. You know, feel like I'm dying. Well, I was, I was saying what was happening, right? right? And so once I began to change my testimony, I started just telling everybody I was feeling good. It's like, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling perfect, feeling a lot better. And guess what? I started feeling a lot better. I started feeling good because my testimony had completely changed. And, and so if you come to church feeling mad all the time and feeling sad and, and just down in the dumps, guess what? You're going to continue to provoke more of that. Is that right? If you come to church and you just look for the bad, you're going to find the bad. But if you come to church and you look for Christ, you'll find Christ. Is that right? And so we see that as Christians, it depends on a lot of what we're looking at and what we're looking for. You know, I would like each of you maybe to, maybe after church today, just kind of think to yourself, why did you come? Even I have to do this. Even me pulling up today, why am I here? And I, I asked myself that. You know, me and my wife, we were going to get breakfast, and I just zoned in praying and thinking, and she's like, are we going to eat? And I was like, oh, no, I forgot to tell you, we're not eating. You know, but I was thinking, why am I here? Right? And you should do the same thing. Why are you here? Are you, are you here just because it's, a, a, it's an obligatory feeling, duty that you should be here? You know? Do you want to get closer to Christ? Do you just want to sing? Do you just want to, you know, worship a little bit? Or, you know, why are we here? And so after church today, you should ask yourself, why? why next, for next Sunday, whoever's coming, say, why am I going to church? Write it down even. And if it doesn't line with the Word, you need to change the reason you're going. All right? I believe every Christian, we can say we want to get closer to God. Is that right? We want to live a better life. Is that right? Now, you know, you look at, you look at me when I leave here, I don't, I'm not perfect in any way. I'm the furthest thing from perfect. Right? And, and it's not that I go out and willfully do a bunch of things or do that, but, but I know that I'm not, I'm not preaching to a perfect people. I don't see no halos floating over anybody. Right? You all drove here in vehicles, right? Or walked here. So you were in traffic, so you probably are not perfect. You know, I, where we live, there's about 12 people. Our closest neighbor is a few miles away. We don't have traffic. So the other day I was on my way to work, and there's road construction on the road, which I didn't even know we had people that did that in our area. And so I have to stop for like three minutes, and I'm like, what is going on? And so when I come to Springfield, I don't even know what to do. I can't even see straight. I pulled in and I saw the, the sign that said population 160,000. I was like, Where, what do you all do here? Why are you here? You know. And so we see that I come from a different area and y'all come from a different area. And you're going to handle things different than me. Now, if it had been a farmer and he'd have been hauling hay across the road or moving his cattle across the road, I would have understood. But road construction, I didn't understand. Now, y'all here, we shut down Springfield and move cows across the road. You're going to be like, what is going on, right? But we come from different things. Is that right? And your church is going to face battles that my church isn't going to face, and my church is going to face battles that you're not going to face. And so what we have to remember is, and I've said all this to tell you this, there's people that you sit beside in church right now that's going to go through something you don't understand, right? But you still have to be there for them. We can't just say, well, I don't know why you can't fix this and expect it to all go away, right? There's things that my kids are going to go through in school that I didn't go through that I can't just say, well, I did this. 
No, we've got to be there for one another. As, as the bride of Jesus Christ, as, as fellow worshipers of the, uh, uh, of, the, of the Scripture, we've got to be there for one another that when somebody's going through something we don't understand, we can't just give them our answer. We just say, I'll pray for you. Brother Bram said that's the most powerful thing a believer can do is pray. Did you know that? He said that's the most powerful weapon we've got is prayer. And so that when we go to God in prayer, when we go to petition Christ, when we go to Him in prayer, that's the most powerful connection you and I have. So it's not that, you know, Brother Sam, he would maybe come and tell me something he's going through. And, 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 and that's what I tell everybody. When I'm talking to somebody, I just tell them, I'll pray for you. Because that's all I know to do. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go get in my prayer closet and bow down for eight hours. I may just be driving down the road and say a prayer for you. You know, I, I'm going to try to do my best, but, but I believe that when I pray, God's going to answer it. You know, you can, you can go put it, get in a prayer closet for eight hours, and I can pray for two minutes. If you don't believe in your eight hours worth of prayer, my two-minute prayer will beat you every time. Now, I'm not telling you to cut out on your prayer life, but if you don't believe in what you're praying, it's not going to happen. Is that right? So we see that, that as, as believers in this day, we've got to have one another's backs. We've got to have confidence, enough confidence in Christ that when we ask Him to do something for us, He'll do it. Is that right? Now, Brother Bram says in perfect faith, he says, And when we were sinners alienated from God, alienated without God in the world of muck and mud as it was, and as was talked about this morning, he said, God, come to us. God sought you. You never sought God. No man can come to me except the Father draws him first. And, and so, you know, many times, you know, I've dealt with the youth before and, and, and used to kind of deal with the, deal with the, the youth group. And, and, you know, I had a boy come to me one time, and he, and he told me the devil was trying to trick him to go to the altar. I was like, listen, the devil's never going to try to trick you to get closer to God. If you've got a pull in your heart, any of you, if you've got a pull in your heart to serve God, I can promise you that's God. If you've got a draw to learn more about the message of the hour, to learn more about the scripture, that's God. That's not anything else. So that's not you just wondering. That's not you doing anything. That's a, that's a seed gene on the inside that's calling for something. That's a deep calling to the deep searching for something. I promise you, if you're searching for Christ, there's one place to find him, and that's in his word. Is that right? There's one place that you can find God and know that he is true, and that is in his word, and that's in his people. Do you believe that? And Brother Bram goes on and says, And God come down in the muck, and he says, What you were, and he sought you out and brought you out. And he said, That ought to create a perfect love. He says, That's what you was. That's, that's what you are. He said, he said, What did it do that somebody loved you? He said, Can't you have faith in what he's promised you then? He said, A real genuine love will create confidence in his word. And you know, I did a study on fear, and I think I even preached on it here one time about a prisoner of fear. And I always wondered what the opposite of fear was. And I always thought it was strength and power. And, you know, I always thought, you know, if, if you're afraid, you've got to be strong, right? And I read a quote one time from a, from a World War II soldier, and he said, you know, we didn't fight because we hated the man in front of us, but we fought because we loved the men behind us. And so we found out that the opposite of fear, after I did a bunch of studies on it, the opposite of fear was love, Right? And if you really go through it, I don't have all the notes on it and all the study on it, but the opposite of fear is love. Because when you truly love someone, it, the, the Bible said perfect love casts out all fear. Is that right? So we see that when we can actually truly love one another, if you could come to church and truly love the believers that sit next to you, you won't worry about gossip. Right? I believe gossip is, is and, and a lot of these things are, are created in our mind. Right? If, if somebody doesn't come shake my hand at the end, I've, I've used this a bunch of times. Well, well, why didn't they shake my hand? Maybe they just didn't see you. But do we do that? No. What does our mind do? Oh, well, they heard what happened in my family. And now they're going to tell people. Kind of some grins because you're kind of like, yeah, I've done that. I, I, when I'm at Walmart, I have a list from my beautiful wife. I'm not looking to say hey to anybody. So I have passed so many people in Walmart and not shook their hand, not said hey, because I wasn't there to do that. I was, I was there to get the list, right? And so, so here's where the devil can come into a church and, and really mess people up is I think we are, we've got to get to the point to where we can't wear our feelings everywhere we go, right? Well, he didn't call on me to pray. He didn't call on me to sing. Here's, here's what we should do instead. God, when you need me, I want to be ready. Not, God, you need to use me now. I'm ready. No, God will let you know when you're ready. And I can promise you, if you've got that kind of spirit about you to where you want to be used just for the sake of being used, that's the wrong spirit. 
You've got to come to a point in your life where you're saying, God, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know if it's being a prayer warrior. I don't know if you want me to sing. I don't know if you want me to preach. But whatever you want me to do, I promise if you just lead me, I will follow you. And that's what we've got to get to as Christians. Now, now in 1 John 4 and 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I see that I'm coming close to the end of my time here, so just we'll wrap this up just here in a few minutes. And, and so Brother Manson says, he caught me when I was nothing. He said, I'm still nothing, but I'm in his hand. See, he caught me and he loved me when I was unlovable. He loved you when you was unlovable, but he changed you. He said, just like the colored sister that said that testimony, she said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be, but he, she said, I'm not what I used to be. She knows she had come somewhere and something had happened, and that's the way it is. If God, when I was an alien from him, and, and he loved me till he stooped down and picked me up, that gives me confidence that he wants to use me. He's got a purpose in doing it. He's seen something in me, and he's seen something in you, and he had a reason to save you. He says, look at the people that's unsaved today. Look at the millions he could have took beside you, but he took you. Amen. He said, no one can take your place. He said, you're in God's economy and nobody can do it. That's his love to you. So you say this morning, well, God picked me for a reason. Maybe you don't know what that reason is yet, but if you'll stick with him, he will lead you to that reason. Is that right? You know, you look at the, the testimony of Dwight Moody and how the little woman rented out the space for the minister to preach. Do you know the story? And so Dwight Moody, he, he led millions of souls to Christ. But when he was a young boy, the way he was led to Christ was a little washwoman felt led to rent out a space and pay a minister to preach. And so she, she washed some clothes and did some extra washing and did this and that and, and rented out this little, um, uh, little storefront and, and she, uh, she called a minister and had him, had him come in and preach and Dwight Moody was saved in that sermon. And we see that Dwight Moody led a million souls to Christ. Is that right? And, and it, that all goes back to the washwoman that led him to Christ. Is that right? Everything that he did was attributed to her. So it doesn't matter. It didn't maybe look like she did much with one little boy being saved. But what yeah, that trickled down into was amazing and great things. And that's how God will work sometimes. Maybe you don't, you don't realize how much impact you have on somebody's life. Just telling them you love them. Right? You're just going and telling somebody, hey, I've been praying for you and I love you. That's all. I don't need to know what's going on. I don't need to know what's wrong. I just want you to know that I love you and I'm praying for you. And that can turn somebody around. Now, I'm going to just read this scripture and one more quote and then I'll be closing. In Luke, uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 25. <clears throat> it says, but I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. And, and y'all know the story that Elias came and and this widow was about to bake her last meal. And, and when heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save Sarepta of the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. So we see that there were many widows in the land at that time, and all of them probably needed a prophet, but he was sent to one. And you look, and you look at the other 160,000 people in Springfield this morning that are here, but... God chose you. We can't always explain why. We can't always explain how. But if God chose us, we want to be an able-bodied member for Him. Is that right? Verse 27, And many lepers were in the land of Israel at the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, save Naaman the Syrian. Now, there may be, may, may, may be many people like you, but God chose you. So it's up to us. We have been given such a responsibility in this day to represent Christ in a world where there's so many different representations of Christ, right? And I've, I've told you all this before. I wrote a paper in college. It was called One Lord and Many Denominations. You look at all the different denominations. There's, there's thousands of denominations across, across the world and even across this nation. And, and we look and, and we've been given such a great responsibility to represent the message of the hour in this day right? Things that, that people are searching for and things that the prophets have longed to see down through all the ages, and you and I have full access to it, but we are, in this day, we are His hands, we are His feet, we are everything, right? And so we have a responsibility to represent Christ the correct way in this day. John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, 
and that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He said, Brother Bram says, then won't your love reach right back to him? And there's a love affair. No matter what the situation is or the circumstance, it's governed by love that creates faith. And that's that God loves you and you love God and you, you love one another and that brings in the faith. He said, all right, then it can't. It can't keep us from bringing out just exactly what God promised that it would do. And so if I could, just a few moments as we, as we close, if the musicians would want to come back. You know, I, I really felt strongly in my heart just to deal with that bitterness and, and those things going on there. And I don't know why I did. I, I don't know why I went that way. Maybe no one here is struggling with that. But if you are, I can, I can tell you by a personal testimony that it, if you can let that go, it'll change your life. There's, there's no need to hold on to it anymore. You just need to let it go. And it's easier said than done because I held on to it for years. And it, and it just slowly was just crushing the life out of me. But once I let it go and I let God take control, it, it completely changed me forever. Maybe if we could just bow our heads this morning as we, as we pray, just as we close. Maybe, maybe some of you have been struggling a little bit with that. and Maybe it's something new, but cut it off while you can. Cut it off as early as you can. Maybe if we would just all bow our heads this morning, if you would just maybe just pray within your own hearts and maybe just let God just speak to you this morning. Lord, we just come before you. Lord, just thankful that you just allowed us just to be in your presence once again. <coughs> God, for maybe, maybe those that are just coming in to to the realization of who you are. and Lord, I pray you just give them faith just to continue to believe the word. Lord, I pray that we could just, if we could give them just one piece of advice, Lord, it's not to look at the people, it's not to look at me, it's not to look at anyone else, but just to look at you. Lord, that when they have a question or they have a need, they'll go to you. God, I pray if there's someone here, Lord, that's seeking salvation, Lord, they'll come and repent of their sins and and accept you as their Savior. Lord, if there be someone here dealing with bitterness this morning, Lord, I pray you just let them let it go. Lord, just change their heart. Lord, change their mindset. Lord, that they could be totally free this morning. God, I pray you just bless the people. Lord, just such a good group. I pray, Lord, you just strengthen them. Lord, just let love abound here. Lord, that they could just stay steadfast until the rapture. And God, we pray you just bless their pastor, just bring him back fully recovered, and he could get back to his church and to his people. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for, for allowing us to be able to partake in it. Just pray you bless everything that was said. Lord, if there's anything said that was wrong or incorrect, God, I pray you just correct it. Or anything said with a wrong attitude, Lord, I pray you just take that away and Lord, just, just fix it. We love you and praise you this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can just stand as we sing this. Ah.